0: Well, hey there, Eastlake. It's Kristen, and I am here today with Heather. Hi. And Susie. Hello. Um, Both Dugans, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Heather and Susie have been helping Peter and I this year on our leadership team, just kind of coming up with ideas and conversations of um, things that we could do. And way back when we were driving together, we started to kind of just have this conversation about um, what were some of the things that we're going to be talking about today. And so I wanted to invite them to officially have this conversation with me for Eastlake. And um, so we're going to be talking about um, fertility and menstruation and the rituals that come along with that and some of our thoughts and experiences and I want to start out by just saying and acknowledging that today this is coming from three women who are cisgendered and heterosexual and who have birthed babies and I want to just acknowledge that um, there's a lot of people out there that don't fall into those categories or, um, who wouldn't have the same perspective we have coming into this conversation. And, um, so I just wanted to say that, that I, we acknowledge that the concept of femininity and female is, um, different from what we grew up with, but we are going to be having the conversation from our experience, because that's what we can speak from, um, and acknowledging that there are other experiences that don't fit into the, um, probably the way that we're going to be talking about it. And that's okay. So I guess I just wanted to start out by saying that because a lot has changed in, you know, our culture regarding fertility, femininity, masculinity, um, and so yeah, it just felt important to start with that and then just kind of acknowledge we're coming from our own perspectives um, and we have similar stories and difference, differences in our stories. Um, so yeah, is there anything you guys wanna to add to that before we get started
1: with that concept? Not from me. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's just like
2: when you were speaking, I was thinking how limited our perspective actually is. And to us, how large our perspective actually is, because it's all we know. Yeah.
3: Yeah. We're always just coming at it from a sliver that we could just get to share today. You know, we're never going to go to cover the whole, the whole pie. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. And I also was like, Kristen, you are just playing into the problem by only inviting Two women to talk about this. <laughs> Why did I not make Peter join us or Andy? Uh yeah, but here we are. And sure we're, Andy would have loved this. Oh, I asked him some questions leading up to this about <laughs> what he thought. I asked him some questions about what he knew about menstruation. And he was like, Oh my gosh, are you serious? And I'm like, Yes, I just want to know. Like, what's your answer to this question? So is he and he goes, Is this on the record or off the record? <laughs> So, but that leads to my first question for you. Um, So knowing that we don't know exactly where this conversation is going to go, but when I bring up the topics of femininity and fertility, I want you guys, I want to hear your answer to why should men listening to this not hit stop right now (laughs) and find a different thing to listen to? Why do we want everyone to keep listening?
2: Susie, you want to go ahead? (laughs)
0: Sure. Um,
2: I think
3: I will hit this drum a lot. This is just the theme of my life, but just the element of bothness. And I think that men have sacred femininity in them. And I think women have sacred masculinity in them. And so I just don't think that this is only a conversation for women. And I think that all men interact with women, whether you want to sleep with them or procreate with them or not. (laughs) So we just live in a world where we have a lot of different people. So I think you should stick around. And I also listen to a lot of podcasts with just been talking. So I feel like, you know, you might owe us one or two, you know,
2: I do think too, like going back to perspectives, I think lately I've really noticed how again, limited my perspective is. And the only way to Expand really is to hear other people's perspective and know where they're coming from. And I think femininity and uh, menstruation are like a large part of being a woman biologically. Um, So I think I would listen to a large part of what it's like to be a man, especially because I have a son. So I would want to know kind of what that perspective is. So again, people can turn it off if they just don't want to know from a different perspective
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's not a lot of people like that i feel like that are listening to this to begin with but i would say yeah a lot of um my perspective of growing up um was that fertility administration and stuff was kind of taboo and secretive and i was Laughing about how like I worked really closely with just men for a good portion of the last like eight years. And I was still, you know, shoving tampons up my shirt sleeve to go to the bathroom. And also I think men have daughters. And so um let's get informed about what's actually happening. I was reading a study from the National Institute of Health about um, men and their like understanding of menstruation. And I thought it was really interesting. Basically the gist of the study was there's not a lot of studies that have been done about this, but the summary was men definitely know less about it. And the less they know, the more negative they feel
1: about it. Mm
0: -hmm. And I think that that was interesting too, just to watch all to watch ourselves on like a lot of things, that the less we know about things, the there's the chance that we feel more negative about it. Um, But that it did know that men get more comfortable with it the older they get. And that's probably because they're interacting more (laughs) with women. (laughs) But I thought it was really interesting. Let me read you this. Um, One of the things that they talked about, it says both women and men also, both women and men, also seem to evaluate women perceived as menstruating negatively. In one study conducted in the United States, a female participant dropped either a wrapped unused tampon or a hair clip in the presence of study members. Those who dropped a tampon were subsequently rated as both less competent and less likable than those who dropped a
1: hair clip. Hmm. Um, I just found that fascinating that the idea
0: of menstruation was negative, both on the parts of women and men. I don't know. What do you think about that? I find it interesting. I think it's an example,
3: too, of the Western culture's idea that we are not bodies. Like, we like to ignore the fact that we our bodies (laughs) that we have. We're not just minds that we have this like meat sack, you know, and we like (laughs) ignore the fact that this is like influencing our brain constantly. And these are so interconnected. The hormones are going both directions, you know, and we are not just a spiritual head floating around in the ether. And I think that menstruation and these kinds of things just point that into our face and we have a hard time with it. And I think that, um, I think that's a bummer. Actually, I think that I'm definitely trying to focus on being more embodied and embracing the wisdom of the body and the listening to our body and thinking of it as an asset and a liability. Because I think we think of it a, a lot as a liability um, and that negative connotation and trying to just bring that balance of you're like, oh, it is a privilege to have a body that does things and everybody's body also does things that they don't want it to do either. You know, nobody's functioning at 100%. Even LeBron James, right, has things about his body that are not optimal, you know? So I think it's it's interesting to have that, that we just hold that so deep, (laughs) that feeling that this is a liability and
1: almost a problem Hmm. that we have to overcome. Hmm. I wonder too, if it's like, being a reminder of
2: the fact that we have a bot like in that study that they did. I wonder if it's just the reminder, like if somebody dropped a tampon, you're like, Oh, they're on their period. Oh, this is how I feel about my period. This is how this feels, you know? So I wonder if that's where it comes from, because I was just thinking I would also have a different thought. If somebody dropped a tampon, then dropped a hair clip, the hair clip, I would be thinking you probably shouldn't put that back in your hair. (laughs) that was just on the bottom of the bathroom but it's just interesting what comes up within yourself and i think it has been kind of like this shameful hide this
1: space yeah it's weird what
0: was taught to you when you were young about fertility
2: um i could start nothing (laughs) I don't know it was such this question is so funny to me because i'm like i was taught nothing nobody talked to me about anything like there was no conversations about things everything was always just kind of like assumed and i'm pretty sure like we had a class maybe about it at school and that was it it was very quick it wasn't like a there was no conversation so i think for me everything was just like assumed that this is how my life would go. This is how things go. Um, you would have kids, you could have a lot of kids if you want, you know, there was no, the only example that I had set for me was I grew up Christian and I grew up with a mom that got easily pregnant and had six children. So those are my examples of life and the conversations weren't had. So Everything for me was
1: just assumed.
3: Yeah, I think there were definitely conversations and context around it very much filtered through the eyes of children are a blessing and children are like the goal of sexuality and reproduction and fertility. And um, like, it's almost like a, uh, what is the word for it? A- a tool or something that is meant to be used, you know, that God has graced us with, you know, and we must use it. And he has honored us with this, you know, kind of like be fruitful and multiply from, you know, Genesis. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: But I think, I think that's very simplified. And also Heather, as someone who's again, miraculously, I'm like, how did my mom have seven babies and no miscarriages? And all three of her daughters have not had that experience. We'll just put that simply. (laughs) There's all of us have had different experiences significantly. And so it's just really interesting to think to have to uncouple the worldview that was like allowed because of circumstances. Mm -hmm. And then the way that you have to shift that when your circumstances don't line up with a little bit of like, I, I would call it a little bit of a prosperity gospel version Mm -hmm. layered of fertility like god blesses you with what you want if you do these things he will give you healthy children he will give you the money
0: to pay for them he will you know all (laughs) of these things (laughs) so i um i remember school i remember like sex ed in sixth grade um and I remember they separated the boys and the girls, um, which I was like, oh, that's so interesting. No wonder we don't know very much. <laughs> no wonder we didn't go into high school and college, like knowing very much about each other or how fertility worked, because we were separated and didn't learn about the other ways and functions of other people's bodies. So I found that interesting. Um. And I feel like I learned most of my thoughts on fertility from church and mm-hmm. and then socially from friends um, was where I got my
1: information. Um so it definitely um makes me think about how do
0: I want to approach this with my kids. Don't want to never talk about it. Um And I think that kind of leads to another topic, which is just, and this is a big one, so we can spend some time here, but just how do you feel like society is doing now when it comes to conversations about fertility and women's bodies and things like that? I feel like
1: I immediately think of opposites that I can think of in, in our society of like
0: ways that so much has improved and ways that are so really difficult. So I wanted to ask your
1: perspective on that.
2: Yeah, I think from my perspective and mind you, I'm like a 41 year old who was born in the eighties. Yeah. So a lot has actually changed. I actually just saw something on Instagram yesterday yes. that 1980 is as close to today as 1938 was. So I'm like, that's a lot, actually, (laughs) it's a long time. Um, so I think things have gotten better. Now, I don't really know about the school systems and what they're teaching, which from here, I'm probably going to be a little bit more interested. Um, but I do think that there's way more talk about fertility and infertility specifically. Um, and I wonder too, if that's just because people are choosing to have kids later in life too, um, that a lot of conversations now will be, well, we're going to try to get, we want to start a family. So we're going to start now because we don't know how long it will take us. That Mm -hmm. was not even a conversation piece when, when I was young, there wasn't this like, oh, this could take a long time. You just thought you were going to get pregnant. And I think too, growing up in the church, you know, there's so many rules about getting pregnant, that you're spending so much of your life like trying to not trying to not and you just think you're miraculously going to get pregnant at any moment. And then when you get into a relationship where you're trying to have children, it's really eye opening, like the statistics on how low the percentages each month that you actually can get pregnant. So for me personally, I think it's getting better in that regard. Um, As for menstruation, I don't think that's probably getting that much better at all. Except for there is more books out now, I think, of people doing rituals or um, paying attention. You know, and I think in some other countries too, they give you like time off and things like that. I think you're actually supposed to rest, which... (laughs) I never rest. I never knew I was supposed to be resting. It's just you get on with your day, just like it's any other day.
1: Yeah, I think some of the complexity has been added into
3: the conversation of it's not just A plus B equals you have a baby in nine months. Um, And I think that we've Studied a lot more, like as someone who's gone through fertility treatments and IVF and a variety of things, like we just know more now, and we don't just immediately a blame the woman. Like now we know that oh, like half the time, like the guys are contributing to this infertility thing versus just being like oh, it's always the woman because she's more complicated and it's harder to manipulate her body (laughs) for our ends of trying to create a human and just making some room for more of that complex
1: conversation and I think that that is helpful in that it allows us to recognize that it it allows us to recognize that things just aren't
3: always what they seem even if it does work that way for you and a surprisingly amount of people large amount of people so I think it is like one in six people struggle with infertility and you're like, that's way higher than we thought it was, but it's also really, really low. And so having to hold both of those things that it's a miracle. We have 8 billion people on this earth. It clearly works really well a lot of the time (laughs) and it goes off the rails. And there's so many, it's also a miracle that anyone gets pregnant ever. When you start to break down the biology of all the things that have to line up from day one to, you know, day however 40 however long 40 weeks is
1: and it, it's just it, again it's having to hold that bothness that it's both simple and really really complex totally yeah. i do think that um there's more people who are willing to
0: talk about things now mm-hmm. than in the past and i don't know if there's just more mediums for it and that's why We hear more perspectives, but I do feel like for whatever reason, I didn't hear a lot of perspectives growing up. It was, I heard nothing or I heard, don't have sex, you could get pregnant, um, which would be the end of the world and such a sin. And then it switched to, oh, you're married now, so have sex a lot. And hope that you get pregnant. It was just like, a um, quick turn. It's a, yeah, it's a little abrupt and <laughs> not a lot of information or processing. And, um, I was thinking about that book. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's called the red tent and it's, um, I don't know how to say her name, Anita DeMont maybe, but it's a fictional story about, um, like, um, Biblical times of the story of Jacob's wives he had four wives and like the story of that kind of tribe and there's like one girl her name's mentioned in like one sentence in Genesis and then it um this book is like a fictional account of what that might have been and one of the things that it's called the red tent because it's under this um idea that women were when they were menstruating or pregnant or delivering they were removed from The tribe and they went together into this red tent until they could then cleanse themselves and come back out. Um, and I was I was texting with Heather, I think, the other day, and I was like, can you imagine like what were the conversations going on in that tent? If you were just like locked in a tent with women for seven days, or I don't, you know, what kinds of information would you be sharing within that community? And how I don't think we necessarily have that anymore,
1: Mm. and that you have to work really hard. You have
0: to work really hard to facilitate those kinds of conversations, like we're doing right now. It's even was uncomfortable trying to plan this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
3: well, I think I was thinking that earlier when we were talking about the you know hiding it from men or other people. And just recognizing that when we hide it from others, we're also hiding it from ourselves Mm
1: -hmm. and
3: just recognizing, like I saw, I think it was an Instagram advertisement for like a menstrual cup. And it was like, you can still pee with this in. And I was like, do people not know that you pee from a different hole than you (laughs) your period from? I was like, this is a problem. Like, and this is an advertisement to, to females, you know? And I'm like, oh no, like this is a problem, (laughs) you know? And so I think it's that like double-edged sword of, it's like when we hide it from others, we're also hiding it from ourselves and we're hiding it from these spaces that are informative just from a practical matter and from the matter of support, you know, not that I want to be sent to a tent for seven days, but there also could be some rest and a lot of things to learn (laughs) and some beauty in that space
2: too. So
1: I would try to find that delicate balance.
2: I think the tent idea sounds great. <laughs> hey, we're going to remove you from all responsibilities in daily life for seven days. And you get to hang out with your girlfriends. You
0: know? I know right? I feel like, like <laughs> it <just> sounds amazing. know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to take the kids? Cool.
2: Bye. <laughs> also, it was probably out of, like, if you think about back in the day, too, it's like, how did they even... I mean, they didn't have tampons. They didn't necessarily have a big way of hiding it. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It would just be a totally different. um, Different logistics for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like they've taught us, I mean, out of like effectiveness and ease actually, because it makes it easier, but it also makes it easier to hide.
0: Mm -hmm. And to be alone in it. You know, when it comes to like I don't I don't necessarily need someone to like celebrate every month that I get my period, but there's <laughs> am I might am buy a present for myself now. I'm trying to think through. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. Um but when it comes to fertility, um that can be a really lonely place if it's something that you're there's no place for you to talk about it. Um And also just learning, I I had an acquaintance who um kind of accidentally or unintentionally got pregnant and um the comment um was made like um it was something on the lines of I wasn't even on my period, it was like two weeks after. (laughs) And I had a conversation with my girlfriends of like, it's just, it's very like we've failed in some ways when women don't know how their bodies work. Right. And, um, I remember when we were trying to get pregnant, I was reading this book and it was really detailed about cycles. And I was like, I'm I'm over, I'm over the age of 30 and I'm still learning how my body works. This is weird and, um, kind of, and just sad. Um, and I think that on one hand, I feel like there are some like amazing strides that have been made and ways that it's, um, become a lot more healthy for women. Um, And then in other ways, it still really feels like um, we don't have the support that we need while a lot of the burden falls on us. Mm -hmm.
3: Hey Eastlake, Peter here. Thanks so much for tuning in to watch this message. I wanted to do just a quick interruption to say thank you to so many of you who are making regular contributions to Eastlake. Eastlake is a nonprofit and everything that we do is because of a community of consistent and generous people who really believe in this place and want to see it continue. So uh, if you're a part of that community, thank you for how you make this place go. If you are tuning in regularly and are part of this community but you haven't yet um, jumped in to making a financial contribution, we would encourage you to do that and encourage you to go to eastlakecc.com to help support Eastlake as a community and continue to make these messages possible. Thanks so much for uh, letting me interrupt your message. Let's jump back in.
0: What do you guys think about that, about like the, the burden of fertility?
1: Gosh, I think when you're in it, it's, uh, I'll give you some stories because it's so hard to,
2: it's hard to explain what something feels like. Mm -hmm. And I remember I got pregnant very quickly after getting married and then miscarried. And my mom was like, well, I've never had a miscarriage. So I don't know. And a lot of my friends were pregnant at the same time. So I would, and then it was hard for me to get pregnant after. And I would have to go, well, I would have to go, but that's how it felt to me. I would have to go to these events where everybody is there bringing their baby. And I'm like, I have to go. I cannot stay here. I'm having like a very strong reaction to this. Um and then i'd also did some like fertility stuff all the you know shots and the tests and the things Um, i didn't get all the way to doing ivf but we did the iuis um and i ended up getting pregnant like two years later and i was so thankful because i had wanted a baby so bad and I was actually gonna start the adoption process right when I actually ended up getting pregnant. But what's so crazy is then the following year, I got pregnant again, and I was not, I was like, I'm not ready for this. So it's just, and I didn't, I ended up miscarrying again. I only have one kid. Um, But I, I was also saying to my then husband, I'm like, you don't understand, this is like I just signed a contract with my body for two years that I didn't anticipate. And I'm like, I don't think people understand this feeling. Um, And then I also, when I miscarried, I didn't want to, he was very excited about having another kid and I wasn't. And so when I miscarried, I didn't tell him right away because I wanted to think about how I wanted to say something. And I was running out the door to Costco with my baby. And I just miscarried. And I'm like sweating and standing in Costco and like looking around, thinking, I wonder how many other people are like going through so much stuff inside their bodies. And we're just like, I'm at Costco, like doing my thing. And um, and then I even I, I I would thought about this when you were saying how much we don't know our own bodies. I, when I went to the doctor afterwards, I was like, do you think that I miscarried because I wasn't really excited about actually having a baby? Mm -hmm. And she said to me, she goes, no, because then there wouldn't be abortions. And I was like, okay, thank you. That like actually really helped me. Um, But again, all of that was just like isolating. Like I was dealing with all of that by myself And I think even becoming like a new mom, you like deal with that so internally. And I don't know if I had a little bit of postpartum, I'm sure a lot of us do, or we're just exhausted and our body has been through so much. Um, But the thing with having a a new baby to me was, doesn't feel like anybody tells you like what kind of responsibility this is until it's in your hands. Mm -hmm. And you're like, this thing, like lives and dies based off of me. And it's such a uh again kind of an isolating experience. I mean, you share it with, you know, others, but not not in the way that your body's dealing with things. Cuz it's also like a part of you got put outside of you and you're like, "Ooh, this is interesting." So isolating, I would say yes. <laughs> Thankfully, I do have some good girlfriends that I was able to talk to too about it, but I think you need people also in life that have experienced somewhat similar situations. And I think that's why like support groups or certain things are so important because if you haven't experienced it as much as you can help listen, it's just a different experience when somebody else is like, yeah, me too, you know?
1: Yeah. And I think it's important.
3: I think I've learned a lot having gone through infertility journey, all sorts of things and having a, my son has, is medically complex. So I'm not having the typical parental journey anyways, but I think it's really important Heather to like, both get like focused energy of people who've had as close of an experience as you. And then also allowing for like, all the people in Costco whose life is not going as they planned, right? Where you're just like, whose dad died? Like who just got a cancer diagnosis? Like who's having a miscarriage? Who's, who just won the lottery? Like we don't know. And just allowing like that openness of like, man, life goes a lot of different ways and it doesn't go the way we planned it. And I know with having to process like my, our journey with my son and just being like, Oh, being like, okay, we are on plan Z, like we're not even on plan B anymore. Like we have fallen so far down the tree. We are on plan X, Y, Z, you know what I mean? Like the branches, there's too many branches. Like where even are we on this path? And then having to realize that I'm like, why am I keeping track of what path we're on? Nobody is on the path that they thought they would be on. Even the most privileged person in the world is not on plan A. Nobody's on plan A. Mm. Literally no one, 0% of the world made it. (laughs) So (laughs) I think- I think Heather, you're making a great point of like, it's so isolating. And I think that you can wallow in that isolation and it also can be so like, welcome to this club and it's a shitty club. Mm
1: -hmm. And
3: it's actually a club that we're all in. If we open it up enough to recognize that we are humans with bodies that will die someday and, you know, you know, just that we're all going through that and not to belittle your experience in any way you know, or the personal experience and the uniqueness of that experience that only you can feel. And that can be so isolating, but also really, I think I've been trying to embrace that experience right now and embrace the experience of you're like, oh, no one can have this experience for me. Like only I can be going through this experience and I can do my best to share it and connect with people over it and learn from it and do whatever. But like no one like expecting that anyone's going to have the same experience as me is that's not ever going to happen because we can't read other people's minds yet and allowing that to be also like a privilege. And it's always that double-edged sword, right? Like the burden of fertility and the beauty of being able to carry and burn the human, right? It's just, it's always a double-edged sword. Um,
2: The other thing I was thinking about this morning is there's so much of our lives that was such a huge deal at the time that you haven't even thought about in years. Hmm. It's so interesting because like, even that story or I haven't even thought about it in probably four or five years because it's not top of mind anymore. You know, there's new stories. My friend and I were talking the other day too, just about seasonal depression in Washington (laughs) and just kind of like our big joke is we're still surviving, not thriving, you know, like post COVID, like still surviving, but definitely not thriving. And we were having this conversation and I was looking at Facebook this morning for some reason and looked at some old pictures of myself Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't even remember half of these days. Like I've lived full on days or years that I don't even remember. Mm -hmm. And like just having the perspective that, you know, in five to 10 years, I'm not going to probably remember having this conversation. So I think we put so much emphasis on like, oh my gosh, this thing is so huge when you're in it, but then usually it's not, it's just life is a bunch of different experiences that give you a different perspective.
3: I think it's interesting too. Right now I'm in a phase where like we're potentially done growing our family soon and recognizing how much real estate in like your subconscious has been dedicated to breeding the life or the family that you want. And then realizing you're like, Oh, like we might be done with that. Like we might just like get tubes tied and like fertility won't be a thing anymore. And that also feels strange. And again, just a new season is you're just like, Oh, this is a whole new world that I just have never been a part of, <laughs> you know, like that was not 20 year old me or most of my thirties. And I think it's just so, and it's so hard, right. It's like, they hand you the baby and you're like, try to tell people what it's like to be a, you know, a parent, but until you're there, you can only tell people so much until they just have to experience the shift themselves. And it's, it's weird. It's really, really weird when you, yeah, you're like, this has just been the water I swim in for so long. And then I forgot about it. Like, yeah, I definitely have had that experience where it's like, oh, those things are so painful and so acute. And
1: and you'll forget about them in a lot, you know, 90% of it. It's so weird. Yeah. I think
0: one of the things that I've tried to kind of practice over the years is um. Whenever I'm talking with someone and I have not experienced what they're going through, I try to connect to the times where I've experienced the same feelings mm. that they're having. Um, And I, I feel like that's been really helpful for friendship and my marriage and even in parenting now of like, I you know we didn't have a super hard time having kids and we didn't have a miscarriage and i feel really thankful for that um but that doesn't mean i can't identify with friends who are experiencing grief and loneliness and um uncertainty about the future and i feel like it's important that we um Don't shy away from experiences that we haven't had when it comes to connecting with the people that are most important to us and finding a way to do that. And I think for, um, you know, partners um, who are going through fertility things, that that could be something helpful too, is to recognize we both don't, we're not experiencing the same things. Mm -hmm. Um, But even on like a really small scale of like my husband does not know what it's like to menstruate once a month for the better part of your existence um but he can certainly identify with you know annoyance or irritation or being short-tempered or um you know those kinds of things and i think that that's important um as we try to like partner with people going through things that we don't understand,
1: I think too, like
2: the hormonal shift. <laughs> it reminds me of a friend of mine um, that's transgender, I was a man and now is a woman. And she was telling me that her favorite part of the week is getting estrogen shots. Hmm and i was like that's so fascinating to me that that would be your favorite part of the week and then it also went to um that she could give me the perspective of both parties hmm. like she even said i just wasn't used to like the mood swings and i'm like oh my gosh you have like perspective on like both situations which is just really fascinating cuz i just I didn't know. I mean, the thing is, you know what, you know, you live in your body, you know what, you know, what's happening. I mean, as most of what they've told us, like, yes, we don't know everything. And it's kind of shocking about fertility, but when you only have this perspective, when you have mood swings, you're like, doesn't everybody, you know, you're kind of (laughs) just like, okay.
0: I found it interesting too, probably because of my age. (laughs) <laughs> um, I'm noticing a lot more, and maybe there's an algorithm for social, but even in like, I don't know, I'm just I mean I'm I'm probably paying attention to conversations about menopause and perimenopause and what's going on. And I, um, have just started to feel thankful that I can already tell there's more information available to me when that starts to happen um because i remember like i remember being in ikea and my mom had like a (laughs) flash, and i was like what is happening to her (laughs) she was like she had to drop everything she was carrying and she was just sweating and had to fan herself and sit down and i was like oh my god are you okay (laughs) what's happening and that is like the extent of what i know about what's coming for me, I feel like. I don't know, maybe that's a terrible way to say it. I do feel like it's interesting to now, like we have information now about what is ahead for us, most likely. And I find that helpful that there's already um, more therapies and more doctors and more natural ways of processing this and that and understanding this and that. And I feel already like a shift in that there's more information which is empowering um, as you head into different parts of fertility that are ahead of you. I feel like for any stage there's more information now and that feels helpful and empowering. And People talk about it. Yeah I feel like for my daughter There's way more that I can already think through of conversations I want to have, things I want to tell her about, information she can read and the decisions she can make for herself. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's all really conscious and it was not a part of my teenagehood for sure. Right.
2: And I feel like I, at this stage of my life too, because same thing, um, like I'll go to the doctor and ask the question, like, sh- can you check my testosterone, which I never would have even had that language years ago or anybody around me. My mom never talked about that kind of stuff. And now because we have more awareness, and I think a lot of that is just, you know, the internet, what were we going to do back in the day? Go check out a book at the library on fertility and hot flashes. I know. So I think
0: because you only saw, you know, you only saw one doctor and it was their information that you had access to, but now you can follow, you know, 10 different fertility doctors on Instagram and listen to their stories and other people are sharing what works for them. I just feel like there's the burden is more, um, it's not a shared burden, but it feels less when you have information. Mm -hmm. Whereas I felt like When I was a teenager, it was like, uh, I get my period and don't have sex. Just like, that was like what I knew about fertility. And I like, it, um, it wasn't like a beautiful thing or something to honor and be thankful for. It was very scary and,
1: um, I don't know, a burden. And I'm glad that that feels like it's shifting. I'm glad there are more
0: options now, right? Where it was like simpler before, where it's like, oh, before the pill, like
3: it just really was like, well, if you don't want to get pregnant, like don't have sex. Like there weren't very many options, Mm
1: -hmm. you know?
3: And I think that there's so much more knowledge in that. And like, I happened a couple of years ago to take a, like a junior college level anatomy and physiology class. Mm -hmm. I was like, how is this not required? Like, how are we not taking like anatomy and physiology, like every year in school? You know, cause I'm just like, these are our bodies. Like we're all just walking around in this, you know, in these things. And we don't know, not that we all need to become doctors, but it just with some of these like basic things where you're like, how did I not know? Like how my lift worked? Like, this is, a, this is amazing, you know? And some of those things that I think are just, so it is really empowering just to understand some of the basics, right? It's like going into a mechanic shop mm-hmm. and at least like understanding that your car has a transmission. Is just helpful. Like you don't need to be the person to solve it, but like some of those just like basic knowledge, I think is really helpful. And I'm very grateful for that to be at our fingertips and that people are talking about it. And that another generation of women is not letting people go into menopause and just saying, deal with it. Good luck. (laughs) to be you. Good (laughs) luck. Yeah.
2: I do feel like we are part of the generation where people did not talk. There was no like, let's talk about the hard things. I think our parents probably did better than their parents. You know how it always is moving forward. But I think because there was so much shame or making things, and I think too, specifically coming from a Christian perspective growing up, there was so much like shame based, don't talk about it kind of things that then everybody's like misinformed. It's like the whole thing of, like, don't dance, because dancing can lead to sex. <laughs> but then when you dance and you're like, well, I didn't get pregnant, you're like, what yes. other things are they lying to me about? You start to, I mean, kids are not idiots, you know what I mean? It's like they start pushing the boundaries. And I think the more information you have, the better decisions you can teach your kids to make. Yeah. sure. Okay. Like, you actually need
3: to know the angle of the slippery slope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is this a class? <laughs> or is this a slight, you know, is this a small one? You're like, I don't even like thinking about the fertility cliff, right? Like you think that, like you would think that at 35, you're just, you're done. And you're like, that's not actually how fertility yeah. works, you know, and so it's it's interesting to have that information where you're like, oh, instead of just saying, ah, just have kids before you're 35 and you're fine. You're like, yeah. that doesn't actually solve the problem or the
2: answer to the question that I'm asking. So yeah, having more specific questions is helpful. They will put you in that geriatrics group at 35 I think. I was in the geriatrics
0: yeah. group. <laughs> I liked it. I'll come in and read a magazine for an hour. Okay. Um I have two more questions for you. The first one is this. Um how do you or how can we make rituals that celebrate our body? Because we're we've been talking about rituals and I feel like <clears throat> um for me and my body there is something that happens once a month and i would like to be positive about it so i'm curious what you guys if you have ideas
1: about rituals that celebrate your body i currently have none (laughs) (laughs) except for the huge sigh of relief
2: that (laughs) my crazy brain for the week before is on its way to being over. (laughs) Um, so I usually feel a lot of relief once I start my period. So that maybe I could use that to like use that period of the relief to clue me in on doing something with that. Mm -hmm. Um, or I mean, what would probably be the most helpful is the week before thinking, (laughs) okay, this is, this is why I'm feeling this way. (laughs) you would think I would put it together, but I don't. It's every single time. Oh, the relief is here. Great. That's why I felt so crazy. But when you're feeling crazy, it's just, you're feeling crazy. So, um, I do not have any, I probably won't do the things that some people do with like putting blood on their faces. I have seen that on Instagram. That is some, some rituals. Some people do. Um, I, some people give it to their plants Um, I think I would actually like to look into like, what exactly is in this stuff that's shedding from my body, you know, (laughs) because supposedly it's full of a lot of like fresh cells and different things. I think even if I piqued my curiosity in that, maybe that would then create
1: some sort of ritual that I wanted to do. Yeah. I, uh, I oh, sorry.
0: Oh, okay. <clears throat> um, I, in college had someone come and talk to our sorority about eating disorders and I I don't know, healthy views of, um, our bodies. And it was obviously really impactful because that was 20 years ago. And I still remember that she talked about, um, saying thank you body, hmm. um, for the things that it does. And instead of looking at ourselves in the mirror and being like, Gosh, this doesn't look the way I want it to, or that shifted. <laughs> when did that move? Those kinds of things. Um, to be focused on thank you, body. Thank you, legs that carry me throughout the day. And I don't even think of the work that you're doing. And thank you, body, for um this and that. And I um I feel like I kind of do it and I would like to be more focused on like, thank you body that I was able to have two children to carry them and sustain them. And it was brutal, by the way, my body (laughs) has never been the same, but to be thankful for that. Like, um, so that's part of one of the things that I try to do is thank you body.
1: Yeah. I love that
3: affirmation phrase, because I was going to go down a similar vein is because it feels like when things are going wrong with your body, even if you just have a cold or you're feeling crazy because you're going to get your period, you can forget how much your body does right for you without you even asking or thinking it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been really critical caring for my son. And like, he has lots of things that go wrong with his body. He has seizures every day, But then you also sit there and you're like, oh man, his body is also doing so many things right. And, you know, you start to learn about all of the other things, you know, that could go wrong with bodies. And you're like, my gosh, I want to be grateful for the 98% that he, that he, oh, when he pooped today, that is amazing. It's a miracle. Like, thank goodness, like that could have been a thing, you know, and you just, you don't appreciate it and not in like a toxic positivity kind of way. But I think it is really important to, I love that phrase. Yeah. just like, thank you body. Like you're just, they are doing so much for us all the time. And just, you know, thinking of your heart just beating constantly over and over and over again, and you can't stop it. If you tried, (laughs) you know, it's just kind of that, like having to reconcile that, like mind, and body and your body just does stuff, whether you like it or not. And having to <laughs> really that control and a be grateful for it and being annoyed by it. Right. Cause it's yeah. always going to do stuff you don't
1: want. <laughs> so yeah, that's a beautiful affirmation. Um, in the book
0: that we've been reading the, for small creatures, such as we, she wrote what a different world this would be if instead of prohibitions and sexual bylaws, we had celebrations when our periods came. But if there were special things we get to do instead of things we cannot. And I've thought about that too. Like I said, I'm not going to throw myself a party every month, but like, Hmm, maybe, maybe I get to go buy a coffee <laughs> just to celebrate that my body is, like you said, it's working, it's doing the things it's supposed to do. Um, and that's something to be thankful for.
2: We could start texting each other and say, my body is working great. Would you like to get a glass of wine <laughs> in celebration?
0: Yes, I would. <laughs> Let's do that. Um, okay. And then this is the last question that I want to ask you guys. Um, how can we
1: celebrate the idea of fertility outside of burying children? <laughs> So the only way I think about this is by like fertile
2: land, like something being like ready to be planted or uh, seeds that need to go into a fertile soil. Like, I think there's a lot of fertility around us if we're actually asking the question and paying attention to it. Um, I know for me, I'm going on a wilderness within today And I feel very fertile inside, (laughs) which is I feel very ready for whatever this experience is going to be. And I'm asking for the experience, you know? So I think even having a seed of a different perspective or a different worldview or whatever, I feel like this is my intention of going on this, on this trip. So For me, I think fertility is like almost, it's a, it's like a preparation for something new. Hmm. Like I'm preparing or I'm prepared for something new in life. This, this conglomeration of experiences that is summed up as life.
3: Yeah. The the thought that came to mind for me too, was the, the cyclical nature of life. And that fertility gives us a great example of the fact that, you know, like even in our monthly cycle, right, you're actually only like fertile five days ish of the month and the rest of the time you're getting ready, you're getting, you're know, you getting rid, you're doing all sorts of other things. You're tilling the soil, you're doing all sorts of other things to like make that happen. So just like you're saying, it's like making space for that. And I think also recognizing that cyclical nature of life that you're not always ready for that seed. Sometimes you need to be rusting sometimes you are doing all the hard work to prep for it. And you know, and just kind of embracing the fact
1: that everything happens in cycles. That reminds me of what you were saying earlier about
2: like the cycle of you creating a family, or you wanting to build a family for your life. And now that you're coming to the end of that cycle of creating mm-hmm. your family, and how, if it is all cyclical, there is like almost a, a death to that thought pattern, you know, and that took up so much space in your head. And so I think too,
0: what, and you had kind of like a a shedding, you know, yeah. which is and what it, happens.
2: And it feels weird because it leaves space.
0: Mm.
2: And space is an interesting thing. We don't do well with space in our culture. We don't do well with boredom, space things that we don't know, the unknown, but you have to create space to get something new. So it's like, yeah, so that was a really good point.
0: Part of the cycle. Mm
3: -hmm. It's very seasonal. I I feel like I need to plug the book Wintering by Catherine May, because I think that she has a beautiful um, perspective on the cyclical seasonal life of nature and like wintering as a like allowing things to die so that new things can grow. Um and I think it's a, a beautiful perspective when you're in some of those death cycles, you know, or like the downer, you're like, are all these trees dead? And then it's spring. And you're like, no, look at them, they're all green now. You know, but you can forget, just like you can in PMS, you can forget that this is not a forever chunk of life, you know, even if it's all you've experienced, just that seasonal yeah, seasonal nature of everything whether they're monthly, yearly or decades long.
2: We're just, you know, so lucky we get a monthly reminder. <laughs>
1: seasons of life.
0: <laughs> I do think that
1: there's something to like really taking advantage of the things that are yours. And
0: so like let me turn that into something good. Let me turn that reminder into something helpful and um beautiful and thoughtful rather than just you know being annoyed or letting it just come and go. And not not everything has to be purposeful and heavy and important, but there's a way of training yourself to think and training yourself to value things. And I think if you can create triggers that remind you that you want to be purposeful and, um, then that can be helpful. So if I can turn this monthly thing into a trigger that makes me think of certain things or certain ways that I want to be, or certain things that I'm thankful for, then I I think that's helpful. It's helpful for my existence as a human.
2: And it reminds me a little bit of like a softness, Like it's like a softening of this busyness that is running our lives. You know, a lot of, I feel like I have to function a lot in my like masculine because I'm have a busy life and I have to move quickly. Um, And I feel like with femininity, there's a little bit of a like softening and a receptive and just like a taking a time out kind of. So I think that that's really important too. Like the older I've noticed specifically the way my life has gone, I'm getting harder as the years go on. And I think that's also because I don't have a young kid anymore. When you have babies, you're, you're softer because you talk in baby talk and you have to slow down. You have to feel this situation a little bit differently. And so I think even addressing like once a month or a ritual or something of that nature is allowing the softness to also
1: be there, which I think can be helpful. I like that. Yeah, I love that. Um any parting thoughts before we go? Anything that you've thought about that you didn't say yet? I do not have any, but I will be mindful of a ritual or something. Yeah. I think that seems nice for my body. <laughs> Most of the time I ignore my body. So,
2: you know, <laughs> plow through. <laughs> I did see this intuitive guy the other day. And he said, uh, he checks people's like bodies, like as he does a reading, because he said, your body won't lie. Mm -hmm. Your mind will. And we don't know that we're lying. That's the thing. So we don't even know we're lying, but your body just won't, which I find really fascinating. And I think if we could embrace that partnership a little bit better and communicate better with our bodies, um, we might get some more truth about our lives faster Mm
0: -hmm. or
1: (laughs) ever. Some people (laughs) maybe never get it.
0: Well, thanks you guys. Thanks for taking the time to talk through. I know it was, it was interesting to even process like this, like what, what would a conversation look like? Um, Because we don't talk about it all that much. So um, I'm thankful for both of your perspectives and appreciate your time. So thank you so much. Thanks. It's been fun. Thank you for joining us.
3: To make a donation, head to eastlakecc.com/donate.